Ketubot Tav Pevav, the last thing we were discussing, that a creditor who sold the loan, he sold the IOU document to someone else, if he forgave that loan, it counts as forgiven. And the same thing would apply with the Yoresh. A Yoresh could forgive a loan that that someone owes their father. And the Gemara brought down a story where a girl forgave her mother's Ketubah back to her father so she can keep the Ketubah money that her mother actually sold to someone else. And with that, we're starting Pevav Amud Aleph, six lines in, by the two dots where it says Gufa. Gufa, Amar Shemuel, let's go back to something we said before. So Shemuel said, If a creditor sold the uh, the loan to someone else and then he forgave it, Mahul, it's forgiven. And even a Yoresh, some, the, the person B's children, they could also be Mohel. And Amar Yoshua, and if the buyer is smart, he'll pay a little bit of money to the borrower, and he'll write the document in his name. Meaning, we'll rip up the document that you have between person A and person B, and we'll write a new one between A and C. And he'll pay him a little bit of money, and this way he could keep himself uh, safe. And Amara Memor, According to the rabbi who, who holds you're liable for indirect damages, there's two concepts when it comes to damages. Uh, there's grama and garmi. Grama is when someone did an action that wasn't uh, wasn't suppo- like supposed to be damaging anything. He opened the gate, which now led the cow to run away. He didn't actually do a damaging act. Garmi is when someone gives bad advice to someone and because of it, uh, the sale went through. Or someone did something, you're right, it's indirect, but because of it, something bad happened. And the halacha most Rishonim holds with the grama cases, where he didn't do a damaging act, your patur bide adam, in betin can't be you, but you still hayav bide shamayim, that means if you want to be forgiven in Yom Kippur, you have to pay it. Garme with the yod, that most Rishonim hold the person is Hayav. So now, according to one who holds you are Hayav, If a creditor forgave a loan, B forgave A, and he already sold that document to person C, C has a good, a good claim, and he gets whatever he lost from person B. But according to the one who doesn't hold you are liable for indirect damages, all you could uh, claim is just a piece of paper. And Havav, that there was a story where a person forgave a loan, and he already sold the loan to someone else. The Khafir from the Rav Hashem, from felt the person's Hayav, so he brought in a lot of proofs to Rav Hashem, almost uh, forcing him, compelling him to be Mechayev, that person uh, to pay, the creditor to pay. And he made him pay everything. It's like when someone buys a a beam for a house. You check to make sure that it's perfect. Every little small crevice you're checking to make sure it's good. Same thing. He was every small obligation that he has to pay. Whatever you damage this person, he made him pay. And Amara Memor person. There's two contracts on him. Two, he owes two people money. Uh, his wife's ktuba and a regular creditor. And he has he has land and he has money. 
So the creditor gets you could throw him out with money, he has no claim on the land over the woman. And the woman you give her land. And the reason is because the the, the regular creditor has his halachot, that he gets uh, the, the right to money first, and her right is to land first. And Tosfot goes into a very interesting uh, sugya. explains that if halacha, there's three dini when it comes to a creditor. If the creditor is some a person you owe money to because you borrowed money from him, then if you have money, you could give him money and you can't give him land. But if you don't have money, then you could give him land. If someone damaged someone and he owes him money for that, then even if he has money, cash, he could give him land. You get rid of this land, that's your payment. And when it comes to an employee, you have to pay wages. Then even if you don't have, uh, even if you don't have cash and you only have land, we'll we'll compel you to sell that land to pay back that loan. So now, lo ika ela hadara. Let's say there's only one piece of land. Velo lehad, and you could only pay back one person, the creditor or the woman. Lebal we give it to the bal the creditor. Why? Because if people know that I'm, there's a chance I'm not going to get back my money, I'm not going to lend that money anymore. And the reason, we don't give it to the woman, because because more than the man wants to get married, the woman wants to get married. And therefore, she is willing to forgo a case like this, where he only where he owes two people money, her and the creditor, and there's one piece of land, he'll give it to the other person, she'll still go with it. But a, but a, but a creditor, uh, if the, he knows there's a chance that if there's one land, it's going to go to to her and not me, then I'm not giving this guy money. And Amr of Papa of Hama, Amri to Is it true what what you say in the name of Rabah that Haiman de Maske Bezuze that if someone owes money to people and he has a land, and comes the the the, the creditor and he's making a claim he wants his money back, and the person told him go get from the land. We tell the borrower you go sell it and come and give him cash. Now, technically speaking, how could he do such a thing? Usually, a person will give someone money; he's relying on that land. So Amalir of Hamat told him, look, we all know when there's no cash, you, uh, you could give him land. So Emily Gufeda of the Hayyava, tell me exactly what happened. What was the whole story? So Amalir of Hamat explained to him, the person who borrowed the, uh, the money had money. Rather, he was telling everyone that it was uh, the Goy's money. It wasn't my money. And who asa Again, he did something not nice. He was behaving not nicely. Fine. Therefore, they did to him something not nice. They went, uh, didn't follow the deen exactly, just to, just to get back at him. And therefore, they told him, you have to sell it, you have to find and give back the money. And Amar of Papa, according to you, Damat, you learn that when someone pays back a loan, is only a mitzvah. It's not an obligation. It's not, uh, there's nothing connected. There's no lien on property. No, just a mitzvah. My, according to you, how can the, the lender extract payment? So Amar of Papa tells him, Tanina, Bamidvar Mamurim. When do I say when a person does an avira, he gets 40 makot? That's mitzvah lotaaseh. That's a mitzvah lotaaseh. A guy did a mitzvah lotaaseh. Okay, fine, he gets hit. Aval be mitzvah aseh. Kegon, for example, shomim lo aseh sukkah venoseh. Make a sukkah, he doesn't want to do it. Lula venoseh. 
I can you shake a lulav here? Is a lulav? You want to shake it? And he says no. Then makinoto, we hit, we hit him, we beat him up. You hit him as much as possible. So same thing over here. If a guy doesn't want to pay back, fine, no problem. Then we hit him and we compel him, we force him until he actually pays it back. And that's the way to get at him, even though there's nothing connected to the lien. According to me. You hit him. Now, obviously, we don't hold like that. We hold that there is a lien. When someone borrows money, there is a lien on his property. But according to Papa, it's just an extra mitzvah, and you could uh, push a guy to do a mitzvah. And Ba'ami Rameh Barhama, Rav Hasda. Rameh Barhama asks a question to Rav Hasda. A person tells his wife, This is your get from now. But you cannot be divorced from it. It doesn't take effect until 30 days from now. But you're divorced from now. That's the way Tosfor explains it. And she went and she put it on the side street. She put it in a shoot rabim, but she put it in a wall somewhere. Ma, what's the halacha? Is she considered divorced or not? Is that some place that is considered secure and she's divorced? Or is that a shoot rabim and she's not secured? Marlis, Rav Hazda explained to me, she's not divorced. It cannot take into effect. And how do I know that? Me, Rav Shmuel, like Rav Shmuel, Rav Shmuel, they both say, when did Rabbi Terfon hold that you could uh, you could hold on to something? That's Your tfisa, your grabbing works on something when it's in Rishut HaRabim. And side streets are considered like Rishut HaRabim. And based on that, so I understand by the, by the get that it's not a get because it's Rishut HaRabim and they, you, you, it's not her possession. But the Gemara asks, Adrabah opposite, Megoreshet, she should be divorced. Haomidrav Nachman, the Amar of Nachman, Amar of Babaravuah, Haomid, the Havir of Presentals' friend, Mishor, Perazo, pull this cow, Velotia, can we all the it's not going to be yours until 30 days from now. Kana, it works. Even if it's in the swamp, which is a shoot rabim, still it's considered yours. Now, my love, isn't the swamp and the sides of a shoot rabim the same concept? And if that's the case, then the get should be a get. The Gemara says, The swamp is one halacha, shoot rabim is totally different halacha. They're the two different halachot, and therefore, by the swamp, you're acquired by by Rishut Rabim, by Tzidah Rishut Rabim, the get is not a get. Now, Ikadam, right, some explain as follows. Amar le, Rav Hasta told him, Megoreshit, she is divorced, Midrav Nachman. And he holds it, uh, that uh, the size of Rishut Rabim, the hole in the wall in Rishut Rabim, is like a swamp. And the Gemara asked, Adarba, in Amigoreshit, she should not be divorced, Midrav Shmuel. Here we're saying the opposite. She should not be divorced from Rav Shmuel. My love, Hainu Rishut Rabim, Hainu Sidera Shut Rabim. Isn't the halacha of Rishut Rabim and the sides of Rishut Rabim? Isn't that the same? And the Gemara answered, Lord, Rishut Rabim Lachod, Vitzidera Shut Rabim Lachod. Two different halachod, and the sides of Rishut Rabim is a place to be kone. Next Mishnah, Amoshivet Ishto Hanvanit. A person had his wife watch the store. Or Shemina Potrepia. Or she's the the trustee over all of his assets. He could make her swear that she didn't take anything to her own pocket whenever he feels like it. Just like any other partners who can make each other swear whenever they, they feel like it, whenever they're worried. Whenever a safek comes up, you can make them swear. Even if she's just sewing with thread, even if she's just baking, he, could, he can make her swear that she didn't take anything. 
And the Gemara has a question on that last Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer said, you can make a swear even about the thread or even about the, the hala. Is that only... If he's worried about something, he could, uh, and she had half admitted it, if she, if there's already a suffix and we're swearing, we can add the thread and uh, the, the the dough into the swear, or even just about the thread or just about the about the the dough, you could also make a swear. So tashima. No one can live with a snake in a basket. Meaning, she can't live like this. That whenever he feels like it, he's going to take her to Betin and make a swear. Now, we're saying that he can make a swear whenever he feels like it. Shapir, then I understand what Hachamim are answering back that a person can't live with a snake in a in a basket. But if you hold what Rabbi Eliezer said, you can make a swear about the thread or the dough. That's only th- from adding on to a swear that she already has to swear. Then what's the difference? Meaning, if she's already mechayev then swear on this also. So the Gemara explains, The problem is, she's going to get nervous, right? Because you you're you're so medakdik, you're so much paying attention over every little thing, even the dough, even the thread. I, I can't live with you. So Tashima, here's another brighter. If a person never told his wife, uh, you're patur, it means you're exempt from swearing or vowing to me that you didn't take anything. Or he put her in charge of the store or he made her trustee over his assets. He could have her swear whenever he wants. If he didn't put her in charge of the store or of the assets, he cannot just make her swear whenever he feels like it. And even though he didn't put her in charge of the store or the assets, and she's not mehayev any shavuah. He can make a swear whenever he wants over even thread and dough. There's no such thing as a woman who is not considered a trustee over her husband's assets at one point or another during a marriage. At least on the thread and at least on the dough. So therefore, he can make a swear. Amrulo, the Hachim told him, no. No one wants to live with a snake in a basket. And you see over here from Rabbi Eliezer that even a woman who her job is not usually to work for her husband, not a trustee, not in the store, nothing, and there's no Chiv Shivai, could still make her swear. And Shmami, now that according to Rabbi Eliezer, that Lechat Hila, that he could even make her swear just on the thread, just on the dough. Shmami, Next, Mishnah. If her husband wrote his wife that I don't have any swear or vow on you, meaning you don't have to swear or vow to me, then he is not allowed to make her swear anymore. And the Gemara is going to explain what we're talking about. But he can make her inheritors or anyone else who comes for her, you can make them swear. Meaning if someone bought off her ketubah, or the rights to her ketubah, he can make them swear. If he wrote, If he wrote that I don't have any vow, I don't have a swear, meaning I can't make you vow or swear, uh, or your, your shaykh or your inheritors, or anyone who comes in your merit, 
then he cannot make her swear, he cannot make her swear, not her inheritors, anyone who comes because of her. But his inheritors can make her swear, her inheritors swear, and anyone who comes because of her. Because remember, he's the one who said she's patur, she's patur from making it, from swearing to him. And anyone else is patur to swearing to him, but not to his Yoshim. Now, if he wrote, If he wrote that me, my inheritors, and anyone who comes from me does not have a swear or vow on you or your inheritors or anyone because, who comes because of you, he cannot make a swear, not him, not his inheritors, not the people who come in, in his stead. No one can make anyone on her side swear, not her, not her inheritors, and not uh, anyone who comes because of her. If after her husband passed away, she went straight back to her parents' house, or she went back to her in-law's house, meaning she's going to live by her in-law's house or the, the house she was staying in the entire time, but she was never in charge of any of the assets at any point. The inheritors can't make her swear that she didn't take anything. But if she was a trustee over the inheritance or over the assets at some point or another, his inheritors can make her swear on any assets she worked with after the death. They cannot make her swear on already what happened, meaning anything that happened during his lifetime, the deceased lifetime, they can't make her swear for it. So now the Gemara starts with the question that we started off with. Uh, the Mishnah said that if a person wrote to his wife, I have no vow or swear on you, Shivu'a which swear are we talking about? How did the swear get into here? What, what are we talking about? So Amar Vida Amarav, that she's patur from the swear of If she became a trustee over her husband's asset while he's alive. So she doesn't have to swear on it. But if she took away some of her ketubah money, she needed it for something. And if she wants to extract the rest of the ketubah money, she still has to swear. He explains that when she's patur, she's, she's patur even even if she took some of her ketubah money and now she wants to come and take the rest, she still doesn't have to swear. And all the more so, she doesn't have to swear if she was an apotropos, if she was a trustee over the, the assets at any point. And we'll stop right here. Baruch Hashem, Amen, Amen.